Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Global Geek News Podcast. This is episode number 12 for January 3rd, 2008. When this will actually get up, I don't know. I doubt it'll be the third. Maybe. We'll see. Anyway, for those who didn't notice, 11 was finally up. I didn't get it up till yesterday. It took me far too long to get it up. But it is up, and we are recording regularly. So... Anyway, how are you today, Wesley? I am doing great. A little congested, but I'm feeling quite well. Yeah, I had something earlier this week where, I don't know if it was just sinuses or what, but I didn't feel wonderful, thought I was going to lose my voice. I just about did lose my voice after our last show. Really? That bad? Yeah, I... I could tell I was starting to lose it by the time we hung up, but by the mor- by the morning it was fine, but I could tell my voice was starting to get a little on the weak side, and my throat was starting to really kill me by the time we hung up. Well, the pre-show was pretty long. Yeah, I think, I think we probably spent, like, what, three hours talking, something like that? Yeah, I think so. It was around that. Yeah. And considering I'm not usually one for talking on a phone or via Skype, that kind of really surprises me. But, anyway, how was your trip? Oh, trip to Cincinnati was great. Back in Austin now. Enjoying the warmer weather, the higher bandwidth, and the faster processor here in Austin. Yeah, that's the quality seemed wasn't quite very consistent. I don't know if it was bandwidth or what, but it, it still worked anyway. It wasn't horrible. It's still listenable, but yeah. now you sound a whole lot better this time. I think it's probably the bandwidth, and I'm sure the mic difference is quite a bit of it, too. Yeah, this is probably going to be my standard mic, so... Whenever we record, I'll use this one just to make sure that we try to keep it consistent. Yeah, I'm looking into getting a different mic myself. I I don't know. I'm not real sure what I want. I've been looking at some like different little podcasting kits that have the whole mixer and everything, which I think is probably the best solution because I would like a mixer anyway so I can start doing some multi-track recording and stuff. It would just make things a whole lot easier, but... I'm not. I haven't really decided. I've even thought about looking into some of the Countryman microphones because those seem all really convenient with as small as they are. Mm-hmm. I'm using a, a clip-on lapel mic. Uh, it seems to be working okay, but uh, I might move to a USB mic uh, in the future. Yeah. Right now, I'm using my Plantronics. Dot Audio 770, I believe, uh, headset. It's one of their real high-end, or one of their higher-end ones. That is USB, and it's worked out really nice. That the boom on the mic isn't the best in the world. They probably could have done something a little bit different with it. But I gotta say that the Plantronics support is amazing. There was one night not too long ago my mom accidentally tripped over my uh, 
cord for my headset and rip the USB adapter into like three pieces. I called up Plantronics and they didn't ask any questions about it or anything. They just sent me the new part and I had it within like two days. Wow. I bet that happens all the time though <laughs> to other customers. I don't know. I It sounded like at first they weren't sure if they had any in stock but it turns out that they had one of the little adapters in stock and just sent it right out to me, no charge or anything. Yeah, that is awesome support. Yeah, I think as far as support goes, them and Asus is probably the two best I've ever encountered. Where I didn't have to wait in line on the phone for any extended period of time. They didn't ask a whole lot of questions. They just sent out the parts right away, no cost. Granted, Asus sent out the wrong parts, but it was close. Yeah, don't get me started on customer service. That's going to be a, a whole podcast on itself. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I've got a few nightmares myself. But I'm sure I could probably list all of those off, and we could probably be here all day. Yeah. But Let's get started. Yeah. Um... One quick note, I'm not sure when we're going to record next week. We'll still have to work that out, because you'll get to be at CES, and I'll get to be in Salt Lake City. Yeah, we're both going to be very, very busy. You're having more fun than work, and I'm going to have more work than fun. Eh, I don't know. I think I'd rather be at CES than just hanging out in Salt Lake City. Well, it's not all fun. I'll be working probably most of the time, probably 26 to 27 hours a day, <laughs> and uh, maybe sleeping when I get back. Yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'll have to see what I get in terms of a rental car and stuff. I know, I think I get like unlimited miles for what I'm looking at and within the surrounding states of Utah, so I was thinking I might try and drop down to CES if I get some free time, because it's only about a six-hour drive from Salt Lake City. Oh, well, there's definitely plenty to go on, uh, going on outside the show. Uh, even if you don't have a badge to get in, there, there's tons of after-parties, and our company, AMD, we won't even have a booth at CES. We'll just have suites and PR booths, so uh, we're, we're definitely going to be part of the show, but we just won't be officially in the show. Yeah, at some point, my dream is kind of be to like going to all these different events, like the CES, the South by Southwest, and just kind of doing podcasts at each different show, meeting up with all kinds of different people and interviewing them for the show and everything. That that's kind of what I would like to do at some point when I get to the point that I can actually afford to go all around the country to the different shows to do stuff for the show. Yeah, I brought a I bought a brand new camera just in anticipation of CES. So I hope to put a whole bunch of posts out. Yeah, I don't know 
it's if it's going to be via Facebook or just via Twitter of what's going on while I'm there. And I'm kind of curious to see what goes on this year with Bill Gates not doing a doing the keynote, and it sounds like there's a lot of companies that aren't even going to be at CES this year. I've heard that the the quantity is around the same, but the spend is less. So smaller booths, but more of them. Hmm. So so what they're I don't want to say that they're making up in quantity what they had in quality, but that's a, another way of putting it. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of curious to see if there's going to be any real big news that come out, comes out of it this year. I mean, last year, around CES, was basically when HD DVD died out. Because that's when, I think it was, oh, I can't think of which movie studio it is that just pulled out. Wow. And basically, they canceled all the HD DVD-related stuff at CES, and it died within like a week or two after that. I'm kind of curious to see if there's something big like that that happens this year well my big question is with Apple pulling out of Mac world will they show up at CES next year uh, I would say it's possible but I doubt it just because that's not really been somewhere they've been before I think right now they seem to get enough press from their own little smaller events that they don't even really need Mac world anymore so I don't see why they would want to be at CES unless they have some kind of big new device that they're wanting to launch. I just see them totally taking over press coverage. I remember last year when they launched the iPhone, the same time that CES was going on, you would see CES coverage dedicated on a website, and you'll see Macworld coverage dedicated on a website. Now, think of it, if Apple was at CES, you would just see one post, and it'll be nothing but Apple. I think they could totally take over the press coverage. Yeah, they, they could certainly do it if they wanted to, but I'm not real sure that would be a strategy they would pursue. Although, I don't know, I, I saw a banner on a post last night that's supposed to be for Macworld that was saying... Something to the extent of the beginning of a new era or something like that. So I'm kind of wondering if that means Jobs is going. And if he goes, I would say there's pretty much any possibility at that point. Yeah, beginning of a new era or beginning of the end. Depends on how you look at it. Yeah. Uh, I think if he leaves, they'll probably be in a world of hurt at least for a little while. Most definitely. That I will agree with. Yeah. I I I wouldn't be surprised to see if he like to see him announce his retirement or something at Macworld. And if he does, I I would almost guarantee that stock will tank. Hmm. Well, I, I would, this would I be the time to do it. If everybody else's stock is tanking, why not just jump on that bad bandwagon? I would say if he quits, I I would guess the stock will drop 25%. That that's my prediction. 
At least. At least. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, we've got plenty of stories, so let's go ahead and give those a quick rundown. Best Buy is apparently putting vending machines in airports. I.E. below 69% market share, Firefox over 21%. Microsoft's pay-as-you-go patent has been rejected. Did Microsoft intentionally leak Windows 7 beta? The Israeli army video blogs... Or, or, the Israeli army is video blogging the fighting and it gets censored by YouTube. Game consoles using over 1 billion in energy per year. Sony tries to balance free speech and hate speech on PlayStation Home. PSP piracy is on the rise despite Sony's claims. Man gets death threats on Xbox Live and has to pay to change his gamer tag. And Facebook nudity angers nursing mothers. All this and much more when we come back on the Global Geek News Podcast. everybody we will go ahead and get started off with our first story apparently it looks like Best Buy is putting vending machines into airports and it looks like the main things they're selling seems to be portable games for the Nintendo DS I think this is a very very good strategy with the economy the way it is, everybody's looking for alternative revenue streams. And I think this is something that's a matter of convenience for people traveling. And frankly, if I had the disposable money and know that I have a nice international trip waiting for me, that I'll have nothing to do, this would be definitely an option that I would, I would look into to, to purchasing one of these things. Yeah, uh, they've got a num- they're having a number of different games in there. Uh, looks like they're mainly all DS games from anything from Guitar Hero World Tour to Mario Kart DS, Brain Age 2, and Lego Batman. But I think it's ideas like this, which is why Best Buy is doing so much better than Circuit City, and why Circuit City is about to die. I think had Circuit City been able to come up with these interesting ideas like this they might not be in the position that they're in that and if they didn't charge such outrageous prices on everything right and and this is a proven model in japan i know they have kiosks like this all all over for different 
types of devices. I, I'm surprised, actually, that we haven't seen something like this sooner. I, you know, I, I've never really seen this catch on in the U.S. too much. I know I've never been a big vending machine person outside of, like, maybe snacks and drinks. I've never really purchased anything major, like a game or... And you can even get a Nintendo DS in this uh, vending machine. I've I've never been one to purchase my electronics from a vending machine. I don't know. I don't know why, but it it just doesn't seem normal to me. Well, I think airports have that that bubble of 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 a different world, like when you go into an amusement park. Everything's overpriced. There's all this stuff that you wouldn't normally buy, um, but in an airport, that you're stuck there for such a long period of time that your 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 inhibitions are lowered towards the higher prices and the the big ticket items. Yeah, and that's what's kind of surprising about this is they have the Mario Kart DS is only thirty five dollars. Which is nice, and I really think this, and I guess this is first showing up at the Atlanta International Airport, but I think this is really kind of the ideal situation, because I know myself, I know, and a lot of people, the advice is to be at airports two hours early. Well, a lot of times I've been known to fly right through, getting my ticket, checking my bags, and airport security as to where I'm sitting there for two hours with nothing really to do other than to listen to my Zoom and play my PSP. And a lot of it's games I've already beat, so something like this would be really nice. I, I agree. I, I seen, I've seen i seen kiosks like this for movies, and I've seen uh, manned kiosks for notebook accessories like power cords or battery packs. Um, I, I'm, I'm sure just things that are going to appeal to the everyday traveler will start showing up in airports everywhere. What would be a really good business model is if some third-party company opened up a vending machines and got stuff for 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 Nintendo devices and game consoles and then someone else brings things from like Apple chargers for and iPod adapters and just put different varieties of items instead of being just geared towards the gamer in this case. Yeah, I think that would really be good especially for when you're dealing with like international travelers that a lot of times need different power plugins based on whatever country they're going to. I think that could be something big as well. Or it would be nice to see something that Adele would just start selling netbooks, netbooks from one of these things. That would I think that'd be awesome. That would be Interesting. The problem with that is that even after you get a netbook or something like that through something like this, it usually takes a while to charge up the battery and stuff. And that, and by the time you get the battery charged up, chances are you'll be on your flight. True. True. And then another thing is return policy. 
<laughs> how do you return something you actually you purchased on accident? I know I've hit I've hit E two when I meant E three on a vending machine before. I wonder what happens in this case. Yeah, I don't know unless if you have like a small little like a Best Buy little kiosk somewhere where there's somebody that's working there that can handle stuff like that. Yeah, or I'm guessing this vending machine you swipe a credit card so it'd be very hard to to track down fraudulent charges like if someone stole a credit card and went here and bought 20 DS's that would be something that would also be hard to contest I wonder if there's cameras like an ATM ATM uh, system that would capture people when they purchase things there might be, but I'm sure there's enough cameras that are all over airports anyway that it would be easier to track down than if you were to put it in almost any other location. Right, but the I think the camera system in the airport's probably owned by the airport, and if an American Express says, hey, we want to see your camera system, I bet they wouldn't be so willy-nilly to release that footage. Eh, I think it prob probably not, but it probably depends on just how big a business American Express or whoever does within the airport. I think there pro I think there comes a point where if there's so much business done, you'll do just about anything not to jeopardize that business relationship. Sure. Sure. But when let's say someone buys several DSs, let's say four, is something that's less than a thousand dollars something that you would really actually really consider a threat of jeopardizing a business relations? It's hard to see. We'll we'll have to see and take a take a look and revisit this in several months to see if other vendors do this or if there are any complications. I bet even something like this, it could be just a test market if it's only in one airport. It might be pulled in a couple of months. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how well this does. It, it's got a lot of potential, but I don't know. I've never been a big fan of these kind of things, so we'll just have to see how it pans out. I can't wait to see if we can get some actual numbers or if they'll be re real secretive about them. But speaking of numbers... Apparently, Internet Explorer has finally dropped below 69% market share, whereas Firefox is now over 21%. Um, trying to look here, but I can't even remember the last time Internet Explorer was below this point in market share. I, I know I saw a year, I think it was like 1999 or something that it, was even close to this market share percentage. Well, I think IE is limited by what it can run on, which is Windows-based systems. And with the uh, proliferation of netbooks and Macintosh computers, which can't run IE, that's probably what's help, what's hurting it here. I, I, Firefox is probably loaded on 
most Linux-based and Mac-based systems. I know there's Safari, and there's other alternatives, but Firefox seems to be the most popular choice when given a choice. Uh, I think the main reason that Firefox is as big as it is compared to IE is the extensions. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of reasons. The fact that it's more open, more secure, more standards compliant, and anything and everything, but I think in the end, I think the extensions is really what it comes down to, because now it, it, Firefox has essentially turned the browser into a platform that you can modify in any way that you want and add any kind of functionality you want, whereas the closest thing you can do with that on Internet Explorer is getting the Yahoo toolbar. True. I think the hotkeys, shortcuts that tie into that also lend itself to developing a specific habit when using Firefox. When I go to IE and I open a new tab, it, it seems to open a tab adjacent to the tab I'm currently in instead of all the way to the end and that's a habit I'm not used to and so getting used to how tabs work I first learned in Firefox and when I try to translate that to IE I get a different result so that habit keeps me using Firefox instead of transitioning over to IE 7 or even IE 8 even though they have tab support yeah I I haven't really used IE in a long time. Even before I switched to Firefox, and now I'm, I go back and forth between Firefox and Opera. I think I probably prefer Opera a little bit more. But before I had went to Firefox, I had left IE for. At the time, it was my IE2. Now it's Maxlin, and just because it had a lot more of the features that IE didn't have at the time. Like, it had tab browsing long before IE ever got it, even though it was IE-based. And it it just had a lot more functionality there, and it was a lot easier to use. And there's even a few of the things that you can do with the mouse that I actually really miss on Firefox when I'm not using Maxton, which I still use for anything that... I have to have something IE compliant with. Yeah, I moved to IE tab uh, for a lot of the websites that require IE, especially when I'm at work. A lot of the SharePoint sites that we use uh, require IE uh, for uh, collaboration and for even tech support. Internally, we have to use IE. Yeah, I I I think I've downloaded that, but I never did use it. It's, whenever I need something IE based, I I've just always gone to Maxton just because I'm real familiar with it and know the ins and outs of it and everything. It's always been a real good browser, and it it's gotten considerably better over the past year. So it's just. I, I don't see the that this market share percentage is a shock to me. To me, it's more of a of course kind of article instead of 
I can't believe it kind of article. I, I totally see why people are, when understanding that you don't have to use IE, why people move away from it. Yeah, I think it's really a matter of new versus the old, and or in this case, a new way of thinking versus the old way of thinking, whereas Internet Explorer was much more closed off. And I, I think that's... And being more open and more extensible like Firefox and Opera are, I think that's really kind of the direction things are headed. And even Chrome, I hear at some point, is supposed to have extensions, although last I knew it still didn't have extension support, although it seems to have gotten to a little over 1% of the market share somehow. But I think that's just because it's a Google product. Yeah, IE7 has extensions. When I first was messing with it, I was looking into that, and the variety is just not there. The things that I, I need extensions for in Firefox, I just can't, I can't translate that into IE and the basic functionality I think is inadequate and even with the plugins I think it's inadequate. I hope that IE8 actually gets a lot better because that is going to be the base IE browser for any neophyte on the internet who gets a brand new computer. So that's going to help me and my support calls from family that we all have to take, but I, I, I but any I, anybody who uses a computer, if they use Firefox, they they see the light. It's just like moving from dial-up to high speed. Yeah, I I think what Windows or even some manufacturers sh should really consider at this point is that with even though Microsoft is losing market share. It's still in a dominant enough position that they can maybe make deals with some of these smaller browsers like Opera or Chrome or even uh, Firefox to maybe give some kind of a bundle on with their software that already has all this installed so people don't have to install it and then they don't don't necessarily have to say that they're really losing anything by it because they'll have some kind of a special deal with the different browser companies that they're still making money and they're not necessarily continually losing money as to where it doesn't look so bad on them. Yeah, I, I, I see how they're worried about money. I mean, <laughs> Uh, I know there's a lot of licensee deals that restrict exactly how much what is put on a, a OEM system and uh, and how different software packages are distributed. That's why we have a lot of the uh, crapware that's on some of our systems is just because of the money. And looks like this next story is about more money about Microsoft's pay as you go just using a computer. Yeah, when I when I originally saw this story, was it a week or two ago that supposedly they they submitted it for to the patent office as to where you can pay for the amount of time that you use on a computer? I was sure this thing wasn't going to pass because this concept has been around for a long time, and there's even been speculation for years that Microsoft would 
go to a model something similar to this. The time sharing is not new. It's actually extremely old, especially when computers were rare, and then you had to timeshare for computer usage. And uh, when I was in a, in the enterprise space, I knew that uh, a lot of the large enterprise systems had timeshare hardware on demand capability. And once you need more RAM, the RAM's already in there, but it's just turned off, and you have to type in a code to get more RAM. This is not new, and I and I applaud our patent office for rejecting this wholeheartedly, and and that just gives me hope that hopefully they'll they'll be more aggressive on who they give patents to and for what inventions. Yeah, at least there was somebody at the patent office that was using his head the day that this happened to come through. I don't know. I I've seen. I think of this product or this concept being around for a, a long time. I the thing that really comes to my mind is a lot of arcade games. A lot of arcade games, you put in a quarter or fifty cents or a dollar or whatever, and a lot of them, especially the racing games, are timed as to where you get a specific amount of time for how much ever money you put in. And I really see that no different as this, especially when. Microsoft even has their own gaming section or conceptually a gaming section that would cost X number of cents per hour to be able to play a game on it. Yeah, it's not unique. And I hope this heralds in a new new mindset, my mind think, for the patent office. I hope this is not just an anomaly. And I hope this type of rejection of blatantly stolen or old or or um, uh, prior art um, patents get rejected going forward, too. I don't think this concept, at least for running something like Windows, would have ever really caught on, except for maybe in places like where you have a lot of public internet use, like at... Uh, libraries or internet cafes or something like that but even then a lot of them already have their own form of charging for the amount of time that you use on a computer I know whenever I go to hotels there's a lot of times a public computer sitting out front that's like five bucks an hour which seems crazy to me and certainly not something I would pay for unless I unless it was an emergency of some kind yeah, this actually is something that would be great for my mom. She hardly uses her computer, sends one email a month or something like that. So it, her getting into using the, using the internet or or typing a short paper or, or email, I see her getting something like this as a lower barrier of entry. And same thing with maybe a poor family. Well, I think that works to an extent, but if you already got the hardware and everything, I don't think you necessarily need to pay by the hour for using the software. And when it's numbers so low as this, it probably doesn't matter as much, but you could easily just go to something free like Linux and still do the same tasks that you need to do and not have to 
worry about paying a small fee, just have to get used to new software. If you already have the hardware, yeah, I agree. That doesn't make sense. But if the dynamic um, on-demand features with the operating systems and the software was tied into the hardware in some way where you can get more RAM or more processing speed or even just use of the computer period and the computer was essentially free and you have to pay as you go for everything I can see how someone could use that yeah well speaking of operating systems supposedly there's a rumor going around that Microsoft intentionally leaked the Windows 7 beta onto the peer-to-peer -peer sites like BitTorrent. This I don't agree with. <laughs> no company would intentionally leak a, a product so important as Windows 7. I, I, I agree that they probably may not be pursuing the, the, the people who are putting the leaks out as much as as they have in the past but why would they intentionally leak something to BitTorrent? Why wouldn't they just use their own website? I think this is actually a real smart move. I don't know. The way I'm thinking about this is if they leak it, well with the pre-beta everybody knows that it's basically Vista with a new UI or at least a, some changes that make it considerably better but it's still extremely stable works with pre most things that already work with Vista and really there wasn't I don't know if there's a real big difference between what was in the pre-beta that you could unlock through means that you probably weren't supposed to be able to versus what's available in this and now basically they have the Windows 7 beta out an extra two weeks essentially past when it officially launches giving themselves an extra two weeks of time to fix bugs get impressions from people and maybe make some changes as to where they've basically given themselves two free weeks of what they would have done spent testing making sure everything was working this is just kind of a way of getting it out there, letting even more people test it, and getting a response from even more people and finding even more bugs. It all depends if they have reporting features turned on in the Windows 7 versions that did leak onto BitTorrent. And I know if I got a version of Windows 7 illegally or not by the official channels, if a little window pops up saying, do you want to send this, this crash log to window to, to Microsoft, I would say no. So I would think that the reporting feature uh, won't be utilized by people who got it by nefarious means. So thus, I think they would get very little out of people who would get it through BitTorrent. So I don't see an advantage of doing this unless you just wanted to get it in the hands of more people and hopefully some of the major issues would bubble up. But if the features or the issues are, are that major, you would think that they would just find that through their regular testing means. Yeah. Well, I think this could also be a, the start of possibly their P2 
PR campaign with because with as bad as Vista was when it came out, everybody avoided it. But now with everybody saying how stable it is and how wonderful it is, even before it comes out, even before it's officially released in beta, I think that gets a whole lot more word getting spread around the blogosphere and everywhere else of just how good this release is going to be and it'll make people a lot more likely to purchase it as soon as it comes out compared to Vista. Yes, I agree. Totally. The Everything I've heard about Windows 7 is for the most part positive. People are saying that it's very stable and it looks like it's going to be a really good operating system. I, I tend to agree with people that I trust their opinion but for Microsoft to use this as a campaign I think it's not the way to do it not through BitTorrent I think the the best way would be to release it through their website as a large public release that they can get as much feedback as possible uh, that that's probably the more sensible way to go about it, but when you've got people that are already used to peer-to-peer -peer sites and doing stuff like that compared to trying to navigate their way around the Microsoft website, I I think it just feels a lot more natural to a lot of people to get to grab something off a BitTorrent rather than try to find something and find the right version and everything off of Microsoft's website. Because I think, I think I saw something where there's supposed to be like three different versions or something like that, or three different beta versions. One's for like the normal person, one's for like the professional, and one's for something else. I can't even remember. Oh, I haven't heard that. That's that's interesting. Different beta versions, I guess, through different channels that they're releasing it through? Yeah, it sounds like it would probably be all the same release from the sounds of it, but just, I'm guessing, probably the documentation and stuff is probably more geared towards different audiences, I think. But knowing knowing Microsoft, there will probably be all kinds of different versions of Windows 7 when it ships anyway. Yes. Some for netbooks, some for enterprise, some for ultimate users. And... Speaking of Ultimate, I, there hasn't been a lot of Ultimate extras for Windows Vista, so I'm wondering if Windows 7 Ultimate, if it will see the same attach rate as those people who are thinking that they're getting something extra when they got Ultimate. Yeah, I think that's really where they really screwed up there was with Ultimate, and I, I think they realized that and are working to change that this time around, assuming there is a ultimate version which I believe there is supposed to be but I mean, I've got ultimate but the main reason I got that was so I could have all of the features like the media center for that you would get normally with the home premium but at the same time get all the features of the business like being able to encrypt my hard drive and that's really what was in it for me I, there weren't any really extras that were official extras that were really attractive to me I mean, there's the um, Texas Hold'em poker, but 
the AI in that is not is a little on the laughable side, so I can't say that was really a big thing to want to buy it for. The only thing I thought was really cool of Ultimate was Dream Scene, but this is a hog anyway, and I don't know if I would have that running all the time. So the, if 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 it had a low overhead, I would think about getting Ultimate just for Dream Scene because I think that's pretty awesome. Um, because I think there's a lot of things you could probably do with it, but um, I, I see no no incentive to get to pay that much extra money for that operating system. Yeah, I looked into Dream Scene when I first got it and downloaded it and everything, but I never could get it working. So I can't say I've that's something that really makes me want it. I mean, from what I read about it and everything, it seems really cool, but I've never been able to experience it yet. It's still buggy. I've had it on several systems just for testing, and it's crashed a couple times um, to the point where it's not even worth it if it's not even consistent. I haven't seen Dream Scene in any of the seven, um, the Vista... The, the the Windows 7 uh, screenshots that I've seen online, I wonder if that has been removed or hopefully revamped in some way. Yeah, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see what real changes there are with Windows 7. I, mean, I, I know there's a number of different changes like the taskbar and stuff, but I would have kind of liked to see some of the technologies that were supposed to be been in Vista, like WinFS, be placed into Windows 7 instead of just being killed off entirely. There's a whole bunch of things that are in Vista that nobody uses to this day. Not to the not not all not as much as they could be used because um, there was I don't know if you've seen a lot of press on on sideshow. Nobody really uses any sideshow devices. Um, the mm-hmm. the sidebar that that. Sidebar really doesn't really get used on most systems that I've seen. Well, my problem with the sidebar, I like it, but I don't know if it's the sidebar itself or if it's one of the gadgets that I use, but there's got to be a like a memory and processor leak in there somewhere as to where the longer I leave it running, it'll spike the processor like every two seconds, and the longer it's running, the higher the spike will be. Plus, if I leave it running for a day or more, it ends up chewing up over 100 megs of RAM. Yeah, things like that. It's just maybe someone's good idea, but the implementation needs to be looked looked at closer to make sure that things like that just don't happen. And I saw that a lot, especially with indexing. I would be on a recording like this, and my indexing would kick off, and... And it would really bog down my system. I, the, the, if you look at um, Fusion for Gaming, that's what it's supposed to be aiming for to keep stuff like that from happening. And it's sad when you have to make a utility to fix an operating system. Yeah. Well, I even looked into making a utility myself a while back that would just kind of fix how things would all launch when you boot up the computer. Instead of having everything launch at the same time and it and having it try and pull everything from the hard drive in different places at the same time, 
basically delay everything out as to where it's in sequence based on what you want to launch when so that it would dramatically decrease boot times. Mm-hmm. So when you see the desktop, you know you actually can start using your computer instead of waiting an extra two to three minutes while everything launches. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was something I looked into a while ago, but I never did get around to pulling that one off. But it, it's something I still would like to do at some point, but I'm waiting to see what they do with Windows 7 to see if there's any improvement there to see if it's really necessary to do something like that. Yeah, it, it can get very frustrating using or trying to use a computer that's brand new and doesn't seem to work. Might want to just take a bomb and blow it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of bombs, apparently the Israeli army has been putting up videos of their offensive on the in Gaza on YouTube, and apparently YouTube didn't like some of the stuff that was on there, so they've been pulling down some of the videos and censoring some of the content. This actually kind of ties into one of our last stories about Facebook censoring images on their website. Unless YouTube has some sort of formal third party or special agreement with the Israeli army, I can see why they would be able to, at their own discretion, censor some of the posts they put here. It's a free service. If they want to take something down, more power to you. They could, they, uh, Israel could always put this on their own website if they wanted to, but this is the reality of war, and I don't know why Israel would want to publicize or make it available showing them bombing and killing people in general, but I know that a lot of images like this were was popular during some of the Iraq war and even the, the first Gulf War. Yeah, I've a lot of these. It looks like they're just aerial shots from when they're dropping some missiles and stuff. And I've always liked watching stuff like that. And I think there is a line where you go from something of just basically a building being blown up, assuming people are inside, and showing like beheadings of people or body parts flying all over the place and whatever. I think there's a line in there where yeah, it could be a good idea to censor it, but at the same time it's not something you really want to say okay, is this okay for general audiences or no? And even then, I think if you just put a restriction of you shouldn't view this video unless you're over 18 or something like that. I think that would probably go a long way to fixing the issue, too. I think the biggest part that that's missing from the story is that these videos are being put on YouTube without the right kind of context. Being mm-hmm. able to read what was going on and the reason for this, I think, would go far in understanding why they're doing what they're doing and if you're just stumbled upon this video you might think oh my gosh Israel is just 
bombing Gaza and might not know why. And and without the attachment to the story, it just may give the impression that they're bombing willy-nilly, which is something that I can see can offend a lot of people. Yeah, I think that's a big problem with a lot of media is they don't like to give the whole story just as much as whatever suits them. Yeah, it's 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 not... I, I think YouTube may not be the best way of getting this information out there. And is this the face that they really want to put forward? I'm looking at a little screenshot and I see a lot of bombing articles but not a lot of talking heads saying, hey, we've tried negotiating or this rocket hit our hit our school so that's why we retaliated with this bombing it's it's not framing the whole story like you said before it's it's just giving a, a small snippet and i think the snippet that they choose to to present just will give the wrong impression yeah i i think that's I think it would help to have somebody there saying, okay, this is what's going on, this is why it's going on. But at the same time, when you're getting it directly from the source like this with the Israeli army, you have to really wonder if this is a trustworthy source and that it's just not some kind of propaganda. True. Yeah. I can see myself making a website just like this and saying this is what they're doing. Um yeah, it, it's hard to understand that that this is noteworthy or um, or from an authoritative source. Yeah, uh, I think that's one of the good things about having third parties look into all this stuff and then having them maybe distribute the video in context rather than getting it directly from like a government source like this. I don't know about you, but I don't generally touch trust much of anything that the government says unless it's verified by somebody else. Right. And, and like you said, these aerial shots, it it, it, de it does dehumanize it just a little bit. And it, it, people might just view it as just a video game instead of actually something that's happening. Yeah. Well, speaking of video games... Apparently, game consoles are using a billion dollars a year in in energy. I guess this is largely largely from people who like to leave their consoles going 24/7. I will admit to having been one of those people in the past. But apparently, they now use a billion dollars worth of energy per year for powering gaming consoles, which is as much as the entire city of San Diego. This doesn't surprise me a bit. It, energy is something that our country takes for granted. Uh, blackouts are rare. Uh, power outages for long periods of times are rare. At least, uh, usually it's natural causes in which would cause an outage, like a snowstorm or uh, a hurricane or something like that. Not like in other countries where they have to have rolling blackouts because there's just not enough power for everybody. I think people who make electronics are just used to power being abundant and not really programming 
or designing their systems to be more power friendly. I know the smart grid is something that people are looking into to help curve some of this, and I, I, I hope that things like the Wii will become more prevalent in which they, they just don't use a lot of power and they're built so that when they are on, they just use the power they need instead of just having it to drive a spin and just use power whenever they want. Yeah, well, I think the game makers have done a lot of what they can do. I mean, these systems have uh, auto-off functions that after an hour, two hours, three hours, five hours, whatever, will automatically turn themselves off. It's just I don't think a lot of people realize how big of a difference this can make to their electric bill and don't really even bother with the settings. And at least with the PS3, you kind of have, you don't feel as bad leaving it on just because you can use it to do folding at home when you're not playing on the console. The storage still kind of going towards a worthy cause, but really with like the Xbox 360, unless you're spending the time downloading a movie or something off of Xbox Live, there's really no excuse for it, I don't think. But if you look at SUVs and the price of gas, SUVs were still popular until gas hit a certain point. Same thing with consoles and appliances and and any other electronics until the price of electricity gets to the point where it's almost impossible just to leave these on uh, financially anyway. I don't think people will really take a look and try to curve their usage of and their habits of how they use their devices. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, when I had my first PS2, I'm on my second one now, but when I had my first one, I left it on for probably four years straight, not ever really turning it off unless if I had to restart it or something like that or there was a power outage or something, but I essentially left it on for four years straight. In the end, that was probably a bad idea because that's what ended up ruining the console. Or it ended up with the issue that I guess a lot of people had where it would stop reading the discs or not read them properly or whatever. So I ended up having to get another console out of it, and that that's really what has stopped me from doing that ever since. Just because I don't like having to replace 100 plus dollar consoles. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it was from an electricity standpoint it was something that I never thought of. I mean, I I wasn't paying the electric bill, that was my parents. So it was never something that I really thought of. It, the only reason I ever really left it on was just so I could pick up and play something without having to go through the boot sequence and getting into the game, going through all the menus and everything. And that was really my only reasoning behind it. But I now that I've kind of seen what it can do to electric bills and stuff, that's not a good enough reason for me to keep it running anymore. Right. I, I, I've seen people try to hook everything up to a power switch uh, um, and and uh, one of those power strips that have this, the power switch on them and turn mm-hmm. those off every night. 
Um, because even in standby, a lot of these devices still suck a lot of juice. So even if you do quote-unquote turn them off, they're still pulling a lot of power. Yeah. Uh, this article says that while the consoles are active, the Xbox 360 pulls 119 watts and the PS3 does 150 well, with my, my TV, I'm not as worried about having it in standby because it only uses like 2 watts, I think. So compared to something like this, there's a considerable difference as to where I don't mind leaving my TVs in standby just so they'll come on a little bit quicker just because that's such a low amount of energy that it, it doesn't matter so much. Yes, but I think the power consumption in standby and while it's on, are only secondary when someone is looking to sell a device. Because you never hear it advertised when they advertise electronics about how much power it takes. Unlike when when we were in the, 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 the gas crunch, you would hear almost every car commercial would say how many miles per gallon. But when gas was cheap, you never heard how much how how much how much gas it took on the highway versus um, locally. Yeah, I, I think that's really one of the big issues. Is it's never a lot of times you can't even find it in the specs. A lot of times, and that's something I really become conscious of when I'm building computers. Is I make sure to get these power supplies with like the. 80% or 85% efficiency plus getting the more efficient lower wattage processors and everything just to keep my power usage down. Right. And um, also making sure that the settings in your operating system are tweaked to the point where it does turn off and does go into a low power state after a while. Yeah. Well, speaking of gaming and what you can do with your game consoles, apparently Sony is trying to balance free speech and hate speech on PlayStation Home. Uh, do you have a PlayStation 3 that you've gotten to play around with PlayStation Home? No, no. I, I don't have one, nor do I plan on buying one. Uh, I, I don't see any real pull for me to get a, a PlayStation 3. Yeah, I've had one since, I guess it's been July now, and I've actually been playing with PlayStation Home for the past, oh, I guess it's, I guess it's been about, mm, probably about two weeks, I think, something like that. I don't know, I got into the beta right before they went to an open beta stage, but, I, I mean, as far as the console goes, I've been really impressed with it great Blu-ray player. I love it. But the PlayStation Home, I've been kind of underwhelmed with it. It wasn't near what I was hoping for. And this whole speech issue is part of that. I mean, it, at, at first it wasn't my biggest concern up until Christmas. When Christmas came, I went to... I was in the bowling alley bowling, and I was going to ask, and I was going to tell people around me Merry Christmas. 
Well, I couldn't because the Christ part of Christmas was censored. And it was just came out as uh. asterisks. Well, any censoring in text, anyone could get around that by adding asterisks or spaces or periods in between each one of the letters. This, I think, people will just find a way to work around it. Because I remember you know, in chat when there is chat censorship on the, I think, Yahoo used to censor some of their chats mm -hmm. that there was there that you would be able just to just put in some certain certain spaces or ampersands and people would know what you're saying yeah i i've been used to something like this for a long time back when i used to play a lot of westwood games before ea kind of shut them down when i'd play a lot of like red alert and command and conquer red alert and stuff the their chat sensors were basically the same as this from the way I understand this, in that if you said anything with hell in it or any reference to Hitler or anybody associated with the Nazis or basically anything that anybody might find offensive, it was censored. And yeah, you could go through and hit in some of the alt key number combinations to get some funky looking eye or something like that and mm -hmm. get around it fairly easily but it's it was still kind of annoying although I, I saw why they did it just because they never really had the power to moderate all the chat rooms and I, I think that's really the case here is they don't have the people in there moderating it like they should I think if they did that they could probably back off on some of the censoring to an extent. They should just pump up a, a, a reporting feature. If some, if you feel offended, just report a user. And, and after you get so many reports or, or dings on your record, then you should be sanctioned in some way. That uh, I... sounds like an easier way. Or maybe even just be able to block someone. Just like you can on Twitter. If you don't want to talk to someone, just block them and, and prevent chat from happening. If I remember right, there is a way to report them, and I believe you can block them. I'm not sure if you can block the, te the text chat. I know you can block the voice chat, but doing that is almost kind of useless because I think there's, there's only like two places now with the latest PlayStation Home patch that you can actually use the voice aspect of it, and that's like back in your little apartment house kind of thing and somewhere else I don't even remember but you can't well, really use can... it in the real public gathering areas anymore if you can block chat if they have if they added that feature if it's not already there then this censorship is totally not needed if someone's mm -hmm. offending you just don't listen yeah well, that that's the way I see it I, I, I don't know why it's such a big deal and just make it as to where I can as long as I can ignore people then that's really all I need yeah I think the whole home thing is not is not really what they're looking what the average gamer is looking for to engage people in anyway and I think this censorship just shows how out of, out of touch they are with their users yeah I think home has or had a lot of potential, but there's just 
a lot of it that, that doesn't seem like they completely thought through. And, like, with the bowling alley, in the bowling alley, there's pool tables, there's the bowling lanes, and there's arcade games. The arcade games aren't usually filled up most of the time, but there's always people... But the, there's only, like, four pool tables, I think, in it. They're always filled up. There's only, like, six lanes, I think, on the bowling alley. They're always filled up. And I think they, especially when they, before they come out of beta, they really need to at least double the size of all of those. Because otherwise, you're standing around for a considerable amount of time just waiting to attempt to get into a game of bowling or a game of pool. And, and there's a lot of issues with it. Just, I mean, it's not really, like, buggy kind of issues. I mean, yeah, there are some glitches, but it's just not the great experience that it should be. I mean, it's a good start, but it's not something that I would ever say would be a final product by any means. So you're saying, it, basically, it's not well thought out? Uh-uh, no, I... And the initial concept is good, but it, no one really ever took it the distance and thought everything through and thought how things were going to be on a larger scale and how to take that and turn it into a whole experience that would make people want to gather there. Yeah, I think that's just taking too much of the real world and virtualizing it, which people can just... If you want to wait in line... You don't need a video game console to do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that's that's probably the most annoying part for me is that because there's so many people trying to bowl on so few lanes, it makes it really hard to get in there and bowl. I without having to sit around and wait for 20 minutes for a game to open up. Well, I think that ties into this also this next story about the PSP privacy, uh, piracy is trending up. I th- think because people want to do with their game consoles they everything they want to do, and uh, it, and I think people want to buy games online and be able to put them on their own consoles. I think that's why piracy is probably up for the PSP. Uh, the PSP, it, it I've. I originally got mine at launch day. Was one like I think it was, I was the second person one person in the whole city to get mine, and I've been watching and checking out the homebrew scene since day one, and it's basically been kind of a race between Sony and the homebrew people as to where who can have what they want on their con on their portable device. Sony brings some features on occasion, but most of their firmware releases are more releases just to try and stop the hackers, or maybe it's a couple of fixes to things that people don't really even care about, rather than bringing the big features. Like I, and I don't even know the last real big feature they brought besides Skype, and even that you have to have one of the newer PSPs for it, but. And and I think it's really gotten to the point where the hackers are hacking each firmware within 24 hours, 
and coming out with their own custom firmware based on the new firmware within like two or three days. That's where I think Sony's kind of giving up and then and now they're just trying to downplay it as much as they can despite the fact that the piracy numbers are really through the roof on the games. And they're showing for Final Fantasy VII and Grand Theft Auto Vice City Stories, which were the two biggest pirated games on the PSP this year. Final Fantasy VII had 650 pirated downloads, and Grand Theft Auto had 550,000, or, yeah, 650,000, whereas an average PSP game only sells 133,000 copies. Yet they're trying to say that it's it's down when really the numbers are growing rapidly, especially in the past three months. Do, do you remember the original Xbox before, you know, the one right before the Xbox 360? A lot of people were hacking those, putting in bigger hard drives, or being able to replace the hard drives. They were using it to stream, to stream video and stream uh, their own audio around around their house. They're using it um, even to view stuff online, using it as web browser. If 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 Microsoft looked at all that stuff. And they rolled that into the 360 when they came out with a new console. And since the original PSP, there's been, you know, the PSP Lite and uh, this new incarnation of the PSP. And none of that stuff has been in- incorporated because they haven't been looking at their users, looking what they're using the PSP for, and then trying to incorporate that into the UI. It's just it's another example of why Sony is so disconnected from what their users actually want to do with their products. Yeah, I mean, the homebrew community with the PSP is huge. It's bigger than any other system, and Sony, do, and Sony doesn't seem to realize that people want to do more than just play games, watch videos which are a pain to transcode, and listen to music. I mean, yeah, they've got a web browser on there, but it's a piece of junk, and it's extremely slow. I mean, they've done quite a bit in terms of bringing some new features in with between the PSP 1000, 2000, and 3000, but it, they're not really bringing in the features that people want. The only time where they actually took an idea this is off the top of my head where they actually took an idea that people wanted that there was a homebrew implementation of and did it themselves was the PSP radio now you can originally the PSP radio and it came out very soon after the original release of the platform where you could listen to shoutcast streams from all over the internet and it and it took Sony over a year to implement that functionality themselves. Which, and to be that far behind the curve is kind of sad. And yeah, they made an advance with the PlayStation 3 in that you could install your own operating system and do whatever you wanted, but it's still... I don't think that's quite what people really want when they want to keep their experience, but still be able to do stuff kind of the way they want it 
like what Microsoft is doing with the their XNA and allowing people to make their own games for the 360 and integrate that into the 360 experience. Well, Sony used to be the top dog in the gaming in the gaming market before um, they came out with their PS3, PS, and um, and before the Wii came on the scene. And I think for some reason, at least probably upper management is still in that mindset saying that we're number one, we control this platform, we're going to choose what we're uh, what we're going to release on it and how it's released. And they're not bending. And they're not listening. And I think ultimately it's going to be their downfall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it all comes down to openness. I think this, and this is really the problem I have with the iPhone, in that it's a walled garden. They can only, you can only get in what they want you to have, not necessarily what you want for it. And that's what, that's why a device such as Android, something that runs Android, is a whole lot more appealing to me because it's about what I want out of the device rather than what they allow me to have. So true. Okay, let's uh, move to this next story about a guy gets a death threat over Xbox Live. Yeah, apparently there's some guy that he... I I guess he goes by the name Zatz. He has... Supposedly he has a decent online web presence at some site that's called Zat's Not Funny. But apparently he was on Xbox Live and there's some guy or some kid or whatever in Call of Duty that apparently wasn't... that was getting... Uh, he was getting massacred by this Zat's guy and he wasn't too happy about it, I'm guessing. So he said that I'll kill you in real life with a real gun. And that's a direct quote, according to Zatz. And apparently, considering how big of a web presence Zatz has, I guess this scared him enough to want to change his gamer tag. But in order to do that, even though he told Microsoft that it was because of a death threat and everything, he still had to pay 800 Microsoft points or $10 just to change his gamer tag so that people wouldn't be able to track him down so easy. But if... I've heard of Zast. I, I, I personally, I don't follow his work, but if he is such a presence on the web, uh, a, a net celebrity or net celebrity... I don't see what changing his gamer tag is going to do because someone else is going to find out. It's going to get out what his new gamer tag is, and this guy can find them again. I think the, the fix would be to to sanction the person who sent the the death threat and have that person kicked off Xbox Live. Yeah, I think the the fact that Microsoft doesn't really seem to take this seriously is kind of is really a knock against them. Not to mention the fact that when this guy seems to be taking it seriously, they charge him $10 just to change his name. I think that's really the bad way of doing ser- customer service on Microsoft's end. Oh yeah, there's another cu- customer service story right there. 
Yeah. And before we get off on the tangent on that, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would ever necessarily take something like that, a threat that I would get over Xbox Live or playing any game online seriously. I, no matter what I would change my name to, people could still ultimately find out who I was, where I was, and whatever, just because I basically live my life on the internet. Everything that I do or think or whatever, I post in my blogs or on my Twitter or whatever, so I mean, it's not really that hard to track me down if you really wanted to. And even if I didn't have all that information out there, you could still track me down without a whole lot of problems. And I've done, I've tracked people down. There was one night where me and some friends, we used to hang out in a Justin TV chat room a lot, and in I Justine's chat room. Well, there was a guy, or I don't know if it was a guy, or he had a bot in there called Lifecast Fan, where ultimately we were just bored one night and decided to track him down, and we were able to pull up all kinds of information on this guy and information that you probably don't want people to be able to find out but it's still out there whether you like it or not yeah the public records are too easy to find that's why I really think that changing a gamer tag is is ultimately not the solution for this problem he should just be reported to Microsoft Microsoft user policy should say threats are not allowed and your your subscription would automatically be revoked and that would be the end of the problem yeah I know there's a way to report people I know I've done it before but you never necessarily see any results from that I mean I don't know how many people largely just little kids acting like idiots on Halo that I've reported over the years but you never see any results from that you don't know if Microsoft ever contacted them to say hey you can't do this or your account's being suspended for a week or whatever and you don't there's no real feedback that you get from that it's just kind of a well I shot that I shot the uh, um, complaint out there hopefully it didn't go into the trash can there's yeah. only, you know, two real things that could happen from this threat. Either the threat is valid and he's going to actually try to to kill Zat, or it's not valid and he's not going to. If he is, if this threat is real, changing your game attack is not going to find someone from. It's not going to stop someone from finding you and doing harm to you. And if it's not real, as in not not wholeheartedly uh, valid, and he's just saying it just because he was pissed off, then there's really nothing to worry about, but he could also do this to someone else. And that changing the gamertag doesn't fix it in this. I think the only reason why this is getting pressed is because this guy is uh, somewhat famous over the internet. And But what we should be looking for is not just the story saying, oh, well, it's bad customer service on Microsoft. It's really that's that's not what should happen here. 
Yeah, well, I think at this point, once they basically have your name and they're making the death threats, and if you're already well-known on the internet, it's kind of too late. They basically yeah. have your name, can track you down, and changing your name isn't going to change that. Yeah, this story is just... It's sad, but it, it's... I mean, it's a slow news day. We were talking before, I mean, yeah, we were talking before. The customer service stories are easy, because <laughs> there's always plenty of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of customer service issues, apparently Facebook has angered a lot of nursing mothers by not allowing uh, pictures to be shown on their site of breastfeeding. I think that this is a travesty, and I think all breast-related pictures should be allowed on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. I'm not sure if something like that should necessarily be put up on something like Facebook. I I think you should be able to do it, but I really don't think that Facebook is the place for something like that. Yeah, in all seriousness, I, I think that Facebook is able to control what they want their user community to see. I know that the first death knell of um, death knell of, of MySpace was all the skankitude that was happening there, of people just being able to post whatever they want. And I think Facebook is being a little uh, highbrow and just saying, no, we are not letting our community become just like that uh, that trailer park of the internet. Um, which I can agree with. They can do it. It's a free service. If if um, if they own it and they're giving you something for free, which is free storage, they can limit what you can post there. But you, as you brought up earlier, you could always link to to those pictures if you really want to to another service that will allow them. Yeah, I I think Facebook has a real fine line to walk here, and on one end they have certain standards that they want to their service to live up to and to be a welcoming experience for everybody but at the same time when you're a social network like this where everything's focused around user generated content and basically what the user wants to do with their experience and you kind of have to really that's a real balancing act you kind of have to play there between what the user can do and what you want to do to keep your image. Yeah, and, and they're pissed off saying that it's not explicit. The definition of explicit is something that might expend, uh, or, or they said it's not obscene, and the definition of obscene, obscene is something that can offend other people. And I can see how some people might be offended by seeing a mother breastfeed her baby. I, 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 I am not one of those people, but I can see it happening. And I think protesting this is not the way to go. 
it's a free service. Go somewhere else. The, the, the loudest voice is the voice with your, your checkbook. And since Facebook only makes money for people using the service because of the advertising, if you really don't like it, go to another site. Yeah, I, I think that's really what it boils down to. I think it's just that people have become so addicted to Facebook and similar services that when they come across something that they can't do, they get upset about it. Yeah, that's called spoiled. Yeah, pretty much. I I think that I think that's the real issue here. I mean, personally, these images don't bother me. As far as I'm concerned, do whatever you want. But I don't know. It seems it seems like no matter what you do, somebody's gonna be offended about something. So I mean, yeah, there has to be limits, but. You really have to kind of be careful of what you do, because I, I know there have been court cases and stuff over the years, even around here, where people have gotten upset because mothers are breastfeeding their kids at a restaurant or something like that, and people are getting offended. I mean, this this issue has been around for a long time. I think it's just kind of how they handle this issue is really what can make them stand out from everybody else. This would be an issue if for some reason this was uh, being able to show a mother breastfeeding her baby was illegal. If it's not allowed anywhere on the internet, I would see that mm-hmm. being something to protest about. But this is Facebook. It's a, it's a corner of the internet. If you don't like it, go somewhere else. Just like we were talking about the censorship in Australia, if you don't like the policy, you have to leave the country. That's that's not just going to another website. So this is a small problem that someone is just blowing way out of proportion. And it's censorship, but it's also a private... It's a website that's owned by someone else that you don't pay for. Just go somewhere else. And what is the real problem here? Is the problem is you can't post it? Because that's not the problem, is that you just can't post it on Facebook. And and to me, it's it's not an issue. Yeah. Well, of all the pictures that you can post with you and your kid, I'm not sure that would be a post that really needs to be up there. I mean, yeah, you're proud of your kid or whatever, but... There's a lot of other pictures that you can put up there other than something like this. Well, you're saying you're a kid. I wonder if if I did have a kid and I was breastfeeding my son or daughter, would that be removed from Facebook? Me being a guy? I would probably say so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would probably be, be obscene to some people. <laughs> yeah. That might get you sent to the loony bin, too. But anyway, that's all the stories we have for today. So um, hopefully the show will get put up on. Well, I don't know if I'll get it up tomorrow or even today. Hopefully, to hopefully Monday. But anyway, I guess we can try and work out details for a show for next week later. And that's it. 
So for the Global Geek News Podcast, I'm Jeremy Bray, and you can also follow me at twitter.com slash pcnerd37. And I'm Wesley Faulkner. You can find me on Twitter also under Wesley83. And don't forget to check the show notes at globalgeeknews.com, and don't forget to leave your comments on the show. And that is it for episode number 12. Later. <laughs>